Hello everyone, welcome to the Woman of Now podcast. My name is Stephanie Jansen. I am the director at Navigator, the corporate compass for young Australian professional women. In this podcast, we sit down with an Australian female each month to chat about professional navigation. That being said, we haven't been on the airwaves in about a month as I've been quite unwell, so I do apologize for our absence. So our guest this month is Rebecca Vexler. Beck is the founder and managing director at Soul Cups, a product line of beautiful hand-blown glass cups that are environmentally friendly and health conscious. Rebecca's journey to creating Soul came as a result of her own personal situation when her chronic fatigue syndrome turned drastic. A few years ago, she was juggling training clients, running her gym and trying to launch another company that ran mental health workshops when the pain hit and she wasn't able to walk as a result of serious burnout. After this experience, with a lifelong awareness of health and the dangers of plastic, she launched Soul in 2016. Her products are stylish, lightweight and plastic free and can be found across the country in many different coffee shops and retailers. Without further ado, here is the interview. First, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Woman of Now podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. Any way that I can make some kind of positive impact is really, really special for me. A pleasure. So if you would like to briefly introduce yourself, Rebecca... Yeah, yeah, of course. So my name is Rebecca. <laughs> um, I am 24 and I am the founder or co-founder it's in partnership with my mum of Soul Cups. And we are almost two years old now um, and just on the most exciting journey you can imagine. Mm, wonderful. And do you want to kind of give us a bit of a background to where you started, where your journey started, you growing up, what was it like? Absolutely. So um, pretty much I come from a really, really funny, hilarious, outspoken Russian family. Um, we're all very, very unique and absolutely just extroverted and ridiculous. Um, such amazing and inspiring people my grandparents probably brought me up more than my parents because they were quite young when they had me um, so I was really heavily influenced by them and their you know their ideals and their values and their goals so I'm very family orientated very much blunt and honest kind of person um, probably too much for my own good um, but I was born in Sydney I was born in the beautiful suburb of Bondi Beach very very lucky um, and I guess growing up I I was really influenced by my dad's obsession with health food and fitness because I think he he was quite overweight when he was young and transformed his whole life and he really instilled that in us to really understand food like not just you know go with fads and do whatever you know everyone else is doing but really question things and investigate and research and learn for yourself and and I think that was was one of the most valuable things I learned growing up was to just ask questions and find out for yourself. So that was that was sort of my childhood. And, yeah, growing up was just – I was always a little bit different to everyone else. You know, instead of coming to school with, like, a packet of chips and lollies, I had, like, some sugar-free, gluten-free, organic, weird version of a roll-up that no one wanted to eat. But, you know, that, that was life and that was really special for me. <laughs> you know, moving forward – 
you, you, you grew up in Bondi, grew up in a Russian family. You weren't always in the industry of making cups. You, you started in a very different sector. Do you want to talk us through how, where you started your career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm still quite young, so I guess at 24 it's hard to really know who you are and what you want to do with yourself. I know a lot of people my age are still trying to understand that. So I came from, you know, finished high school, went to uni to become an archaeologist, was obsessed with that, decided to leave for a year to travel because I was too, you know, much into to books and studying and sitting down on my ass, and I really wanted to experience life and, and understand things and actually got home I quit everything changed my life and become a became a personal trainer um, and I was working in gyms and training clients back to back all day I was so in the health and fitness industry I think my biggest passion was just having this impact on people this positive change this positive positive experience and really motivating people to to be their empowered selves and I became so involved in the world of psychology and, you know, self-growth and self-motivation, which absolutely has a big link to business. And I think I was always entrepreneurial because I was always doing little things, even in high school. Um, and I, I was starting other businesses. I was, you know, managing gyms. I was running amazing sessions. I was starting another small business, which was in corporate health and um, delivering workshops also on mental health in high schools because I myself had a lot of sort of younger personal issues with, with mental health, depression and health, other, other body health issues. So um, it was just a whole big combination of different passions in one go. Um, and that was sort of where I was and what I was doing before Self Cups. Mm. And why did you move from that I guess your last career was in health and, and fitness. Why did you move into being an entrepreneur? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, I think I already was an entrepreneur. I think I was trying to already create something of my own. I was always out doing something different and unique and starting something. I wanted to be my own boss. I think that is part of being a personal trainer is you don't have to work for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, I had full control of my hours of my life, of my time. Um, and I was running, a, you know, my own successful PT business. And I think that was already the beginning of that entrepreneurial flavor. And really what happened was I got very unwell. Um, I was overworking, overstressed, just doing everything at absolutely the highest intensity that I could. And my nervous system absolutely just shut down. I, it just, my body just went, I'm not having this. Um, because I just wouldn't listen to myself. Um, so yeah, I, I, long story short, I pretty much woke up one day and I couldn't walk. Um, it was quite a few months of rehabilitation of just trying to get out of bed and, you know, be functional, which, you know, you still have to, I still have to manage today. Um, yeah. And it, soul cups literally started by accident. It was just a passion project to, to keep me going, to, to have something positive in my life that, you know, who knew where we would end up. Mm, wow, that's such a huge experience for you. And it's it's interesting when I've kind of read about you in the press and there are, you know, bits and pieces about you online, it's kind of, you know, said that, you know, that that experience for you was very much in a way a burnout experience. Would I be wrong to characterize it as such? 
Oh, absolutely. I think I think that was the epitome of it. It was it was just classic burnout. But I think my attitude and my sort of the way I function, I'm a very much stubborn person. I don't I don't like to say no to things. I I don't like to believe that I can't do something. So even if there were signs that my body was telling me to slow down, I had a goal, I had a vision, I had certain things I wanted to achieve. And I just ignored them. So I think my body said, well, you're going to ignore that. You can't ignore this. And it sort of forced me to, to really stop without without a choice. So, And how have you changed your approach since that huge life-changing experience? What do you now do differently? Um, I definitely listen to myself. That's number one. I'm very much more aware of what my body tells me now. I respect it. That's the most important thing I can I can definitely pass on is have respect for your own body and your own time and your own sense of self. If you don't listen and you don't actually understand what your body is going through, you can you can't use it to your full potential. So that that's the main thing that I do differently is I actually have respect for myself and my body. Um, and secondly there's nothing wrong with slowing down because it doesn't mean you don't have to be productive. I think I'm a hundred times more productive now. I'm more successful. I'm, I'm achieving more goals in a shorter time just from having a different approach to how I manage my day and my time. Mm. And do you want to run us through what that looks like just out of curiosity? What my day looks like? Yeah. And how you manage that in a very real and practical sense. Okay. Um, well, the way my day runs now is a little bit different to the way my day ran when I first started Soul Cups. But in an ideal world, if I explain now, um, my morning starts with, if I'm in Sydney, at least if I'm not traveling, it's really a mindful morning. I have to make sure that I do some exercise, even if it's something so minimal and so meditative, because obviously going through what I've gone, I've got chronic pain, which means at any point in time, whether I like it or not, I could wake up and have a bad day. Um, so that could mean maybe I do a really slow walk or maybe not, maybe I do a little bit more, do a bit of exercise, um, you know, go to the gym if I can, or, you know, w- whatever is possible for that morning. Cause every day is different. Um, I have a breakfast. I make sure I eat properly. Cause that's something I used to not do that well. Um, and I just make sure I feel calm. I don't wake up anxious because I've given myself that time to, you know, wake up and feel good and feel happy and positive and, you know, do whatever I need to do to get into that mindset. And only then will I come into the office around 9.30, and greet my team. Um, and from there on, it's sort of quite a normal work day and getting everything I need to do done. But in saying that at lunchtime during the middle of the day, if we're in the office, all my team members and I like to go for a little walk around the block um, just to get out of that headspace or at least stand up and, you know, talk and maybe do a little yoga stretch together, things like that, just to, to stay awake and keep moving. Um, and then in the evening, I'll definitely come home and do a little bit more exercise or something for myself, catch up with friends you know, make, make dinner, whatever it is. And, and so my day tends to really look like that. Just make sure that it's always thought out and thoughtful and, and that I'm taking care of myself. Mm, fantastic. Very insightful. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs>
<laughs> it's, it's so important to have a routine. It's um, something that I yeah. have slowly really come to appreciate in my life. I'm working yeah. full time now at the same place and not having a million jobs and being able to go to the same place yeah. every day and go to the gym at the same gym in the work building and have a bit of regiment it really makes a big difference I think to your quality of life so that's fantastic I agree I agree and also I think something that I really want to express is that one of the biggest things I learned was the the effect of urgency and what that has on your know your productivity essentially like back in the day I felt the need to have to respond to an email respond to a phone call you know reply within half a second otherwise you'll lose that business or you lose respect or you lose you know whatever it is the situation is the fact is that's actually so damaging because it creates anxiety it creates stress it creates drama that's unnecessary no one's holding a gun to your head you know you don't need to answer that email within 10 seconds you need to learn to prioritize which is what I was talking about before I mean I'm not going to answer an email these days really until maybe 8 a.m until I've done everything that I've needed to do I've done my walk I've done you know I've had a coffee or I've had the tea or I've had my breakfast because I'm not going to work as well until my brain is fully functioning and my body's you know up to speed so that's that's the other really important thing even if you've got a startup and you need to hustle you need to work and you need to get it all done no, no one's making you answer that email within 10 seconds. Don't create unnecessary stress. Mm. And what that does to your cortisol levels is just crazy. They just skyrocket yeah. through the roof, you know, your heart starts yeah. to yeah. race and it really, um, I think, I mean, it, stress is shown to shorten your lifespan significantly. It can be just as bad as, as alcohol um, or having a poor diet. Uh-huh. So hundred percent. I mean, I know if I have a stressful day for whatever reason, straight away, whether it's that evening or the next day, my pain worsens hundred percent. I can feel it straight away. So it's, that's the one thing that I teach myself and I teach my team is that it's, unless it's life and death, there's nothing to stress over. You know, that, that client giving you a little bit of hard time or stress or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's customer service related or, you know, an order's gone wrong and you need to fix the problem, there's always a solution. That's my mantra. There is always a solution and there's nothing to, to sort of get anxious about it either. So, yeah, that's, that's a really important thing I think people need to learn. So how did Soul come about yeah. Um, look, I, I think it was it was sort of a, again a kind of a family thing. It was we were all talking about this idea months and months before, and even back in the day when I was PTing, I would take a glass from home to to the gym because I didn't want to use a, a plastic reusable cup and I didn't want to take a takeaway cup. So I would just bring a, a normal glass from home, and it was sort of like a joke between all of us that we started designing and creating one that we liked ourselves and we weren't really taking it seriously. I mean, we joked about it for maybe eight months even. And then when I really got unwell and got sick, I think it became more of a reality because I needed something positive to focus on. And I took it a bit more seriously because I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen with my life. I didn't know if I was going to walk again. I didn't know if I was going to be, you know, getting worse and end up stuck in a wheelchair. Like, you know, just, I just didn't know. And I think it was just this really excellent 
exciting new concept to work on, which wasn't just about coffee. It was also about health. There's a lot of health elements to the to Soul Cup. So that's really how it started. Mm. And do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about the strong health elements that are involved in Soul? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the glass itself is actually hand-blown glass, which means it's all handmade, all really beautiful, high-quality glassware, almost like you're the finest wine glass. And I guess the biggest point of difference is that it's in manufacturing. It creates less emissions. It's better for the environment. It's more sustainable. It's much higher-quality product, which means it won't scratch or get cloudy in the dishwasher. It will last a much longer time. Um, and if you look at it from a health perspective, when you drink from a takeaway cup, it's actually coated with glue and wax on the inside, which means as soon as it touches hot liquid, that's actually seeping into your drink. So if you think about it, you're having one or two of those a day over a week, over a year, over a lifetime. How much glue are you actually drinking? You know, it's quite scary and it is poison. Um, and that's, that's something that I think people really don't think about and don't actually consider when they're just ordering a takeaway coffee. And then, of course, you have the plastic lids, which even if now people are saying that they're recyclable or biodegradable, still plastic. And other than BPA, there may be other trace elements, other chemicals within this material that's actually going to be seeking, seeping into your drink as well that aren't regulated. So I think these are really important factors that people need to start considering. Mm, great. In the early days of starting Soul, what did that look like? What was your process? Uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of learning. It was just honestly a lot of questions, a lot of figuring things out, a lot of Googling, a lot of, um, you know, trying to speak to as many mentors as possible. I'm huge on the mentor side of things. I think in the beginning, at least in the first year, I had a new mentor, mentor almost every three months. And it's so inspiring and so insightful to have someone there to actually ask questions to because at the end of the day even though I was entrepreneurial I'd never made a business plan in my life <laughs> like properly created one with meaning and intention so I think that was that was the first sort of phase was just trying to understand the the concept of how do you build a business model how do you build business processes how do you build system management to create something for the long term, not just the short, small vision that you have ahead of you to maybe, you know, create a design of a cup even, because that was a huge part of our process was the design elements. It's very, very unique for our product. Yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing that people um, misunderstand is the actual time involved in starting a business, because I know a very large amount of people with a good idea. There's a lot out there. There are some amazing people that are innovative, inspiring, that have great concepts, but they have absolutely zero understanding of how to implement this into something tangible or something that truly has movement. And that's the thing. I, in the beginning, what set my business apart and what actually allowed it to flourish and grow at such a fast pace was how I managed to take concepts and facilitate it into movement and, and facilitate it into something that was real. And I think 
for example, if you have a product, the one lesson that I, I tell all, all my friends or all my, you know, I, I do mentor quite a few startups and, and the same thing that I tell all of them is that if you don't get off your ass and actually talk to people about your idea and actually get real feedback and, and make it into something real in other people's minds, nothing will happen. And for Soul Cups, I mean, my biggest goal in the very beginning was before this was even made, so before we even paid a deposit to have it manufactured, I needed to sell, pre-sell all of it. And if I didn't pre-sell all of it, we wouldn't be able to even purchase the stock. And, I mean, you need to set goals. That's that's the other thing. You need to, whether it's small-scale goals or large-scale goals, if there is no planning and goal setting in place, where is the vision? What What is the concept and where are you even going? Very wise words. And that was going to be one of my questions for you is, you know, where did you start with your business capital? You've just kind of said there that you had a pre-sale and that's quite an an innovative way to actually manage the start of the business really I mean there's there's a lot of new opportunities now like if we look at for example there's that new eco bra in the market which is that the first recyclable biodegradable bra and I know she's on kickstarter which is amazing kickstarter is incredible it's one of those crazy platforms where you can take your idea and turn it into something tangible just from crowdfunding um, that's something that works really, really well, but I think it depends on your product and how refined um, and, you know, well thought out your process is. It can either kill you or make you stronger depending on what kind of brand you're building as well. Um, we didn't do crowdfunding and we didn't seek investment because I believe in building a much bigger picture here. Um, you know, we're not, we're not building a small business. We're building quite a, a big concept. And for us, it was, yeah, I I managed to build the product in other people's minds before it even existed into something really special. And that's what allowed us to actually pre-sell everything. It's it's a lot about marketing as well and how you present yourself. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's how you design your business to be perceived by others that creates authenticity, that creates credibility and shows you as you know, who you really are as a business and, and how you are going to be taken. Mm. And in in a very tangible way, how did you kind of go about doing that? I think a lot of entrepreneurs are a little bit, in, in the beginning, they can be a bit nervous about discussing their idea or their concept and they don't really know exactly where they would go to even start that dialogue. What would you suggest to a budding entrepreneur that wants to get their idea or product out there? The first rule is let your ego go. <laughs> Leave it at the door. Um, that's the number one one rule that I'll tell anyone or number one piece of advice I'll tell anyone is leave your ego at the door because if you bring your ego with you, it will set you back a 100 years. I mean, if you can't handle criticism and you can't handle feedback, then you cannot own a business. That's, that's just fact. Um, and I guess – in its simplest form, <laughs> literally all I would do is I would actually take my laptop and work from a cafe in the beginning. It was just me <laughs> by myself and my computer and anyone who was within like a five-meter radius of me, I'd be talking to. Just absolutely talking to everyone and anyone, whether I knew them or not. You just can't be scared. You just have to absolutely let yourself go for it because 
it's it's true. It's I mean, you have to start with who you know and start within your community and start within your circles and just really get some life, like real time feedback. I mean, I think I spent probably every single day at the same cafe or same street for like the first three months, just talking to baristas and staff and people sitting next to me and whoever was on the street and anyone I could to get as much feedback and and criticism as I could. So you were talking to them about what you were proposing, what your ideas were, and you were asking them, what do you think? Was, was that the dialogue? Literally. Wow. Yeah, it was just, I mean, I, I didn't even have a physical, you know, sample. I mean, it was just a render that I got a designer, an industrial designer to draw up based on what my idea was and what my vision was. And based on one little photo, I would just be like, hey, guys, can I get your opinion? I'm thinking of creating this. This is sort of what it maybe might look like. What do you think? And people would say, oh, I hate it. It's disgusting. I'd never use it. I don't understand it. What's the point? <laughs> or, wow, oh, that's amazing. I love it. And, you know, you sort of tend to, to gauge, uh, you know, percentage of who likes it and who doesn't. And maybe you make small changes. Maybe you don't. And you can really grow an incredible concept just from the general public. Rebecca, what have been some of your most challenging moments yeah, I mean, I'd have to say right in the beginning, um, we we experienced the most amazing thing, which was war on waste. And before this happened, I probably had three very, very difficult months where there were countless moments where, people, where the family and I were thinking of stopping the business and just giving up and doing something else. But it, it was one of those things where I really had a gut feeling and I really had this intuitive inner you know just connection to this product and to this idea and this concept and I just believed in it so much that I wasn't willing to accept defeat and I think some of the most difficult times were in those three months where we just had so much backlash and so much criticism and I guess it just wasn't a necessary thing yet people didn't really understand it people didn't really care that much about the environment or if they did it wasn't about reusable cups and it was a very very stressful time of what are we doing investing all this time and money into something that no one cares about and no one wants to buy so it it was yeah it was quite a challenge for my family for the business and and for personally yes and you you said that it was really difficult until the war on waste happened. For those listeners that don't know what the war on waste is, would you like to explain? Yes. Um, War on Waste was the most extraordinary television program on the ABC network, which was literally, I think it was a two-piece documentary, which is there's about to be another one coming out very soon about what happens to waste in many different areas, not just reusable cups, but plastic bags, um, you know, food waste, all of these sort of things. And it was just so informative and eye-opening that anyone who watched it actually realized that what they know about waste products and what they know about recycling in Australia is all, you know, crap, basically, to say it nicely. Um, and it was just it was just really, really exciting for all the eco-friendly producers out there and all these all these um small businesses that had these amazing amazing innovative 
products that were trying so hard to push that no one really understood. It really just shifted the way Australia thinks about recycling and reusable products. Mm, it's a fantastic show and there's that classic scene with the host, Craig Rucastle. He has, you know, a big tram in Melbourne filled with coffee cups. It is the most right. incredible scene that gets burnt into your memory and is a source of continual guilt whenever I get a takeaway coffee cup in Melbourne. That's right. Rebecca, how do you think you've grown and changed over time as a professional businesswoman? Oh, immensely. <laughs> I, um, I definitely don't feel 24, that's for sure. You, you don't sound it either. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think in the last two years of my life, I have aged mentally and emotionally probably by 20 years. Um, I really, I feel so much more grounded. I feel so much more confident in myself. I feel so much more content and empowered and proud and, you know, just excited by, by life because I feel like I'm doing something that's authentic to my values, to my personal missions and my personal goals. And I really feel like I'm creating that impact that I always wanted to because that was my personal mantra, that I always wanted to create a personal impact. And I really feel like I've been able to achieve that. And that's what's so exciting and inspiring. And, I, yeah, I, I've just changed so much. And I couldn't be happier. And I just hope that every year I change again because – that's so rewarding to keep growing and keep learning. Mm. And on that note, what are your dreams for the future, the future for yourself and the future of soul? Well, for soul, we, we are definitely on the journey of new products. There'll be some very, very exciting things that are coming out this year and early next year. Um, and I guess the, the biggest missions and the biggest goals are creating the essential products in your life to make it the easiest possible journey to be plastic free. And that's our biggest mission is to stop producing plastic and stop plastic production in general and, and to really make it just the most enjoyable, positive experience for every consumer to have a plastic free life. Um, that's, that's my journey for soul. And then personally, I mean, I, again, it comes down to my passion of inspiring people and, and speaking and educating and learning and, and teaching. And, and I just feel so happy when I'm in that place. So I'd love to do a lot more keynote speaking and a lot more educational seminars. Mm. I'm sure a lot of businesses would love to have you. <laughs> I'd, be I'd be honoured. I'm sure they would. Shout out to any businesses that want Rebecca to speak for them. <laughs> Something else as well that you mentioned to me off air is that you've just gone to the UK. Yes, yes, we are, we're so excited. We, we launched officially in New Zealand actually a couple of weeks ago um, and then this week or last week we launched through the UK and all of Europe as well. What would you say to any up-and-coming entrepreneurs or people that would like to create sustainable products? I would say that it is very, very important that you understand manufacturing, that you do not go into this industry blindsided and that you are not naive about how manufacturing works. Make sure 
you educate yourself, make sure you find a mentor in that industry and that you do not just go to Alibaba and source something out of China that you've got no idea about because it is a very dangerous industry and you really need to be backed by somebody who understands because you can really get, you know, stuffed over basically and also just because you think you're doing something sustainable and environmentally friendly doesn't mean your producer is or your factory is. So make sure you go there, visit, or at least communicate as much as you can or find a translator or a third-party middleman to be involved because it's not as simple as people think. Our final question, our signature question we ask all our guests is what advice would you give any young professional female entering work life? I would say be bold, be excited, be passionate and really be authentic, be yourself because there are so many challenges you're going to face, especially being a woman, you know, depending on what industry you're in, it can be quite challenging. Um, and just, yeah, just be limitless, be, you know, be bold, be, be ready to just face everything and I guess that's my personal mantra that comes into things is there's always a solution and if you can think like that if you can think laterally and outside of the box there always is a solution so if you're a young female and you're wanting to start a business and you're wanting to be an entrepreneur just do it don't waste time don't keep you know pondering on about should I do it should I not do it just get off your butt go make something happen be excited tell everybody and don't be scared because there is always a solution Rebecca I'd like to thank you so much for being a part of the woman of now podcast you're an absolute force and so so inspiring I am just sitting here thinking oh my gosh you know you're younger than me but I want you to be my mentor you are absolutely incredible (laughs) so thank you for giving us some of your precious time and your very valuable insights No, my pleasure. I'm I'm so happy to be on here. Thank you for listening to the Woman of Now podcast presented by Navigator Australia. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps other people find our podcast. You can follow Navigator on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and we recently got Twitter. Or you can check out our website at www.navigator-australia.com. You can also become a Patreon to support this podcast. Contributions start for as little as $1 per month. If you would like to sponsor or partner with this podcast, please contact us on our website. See you next month with another amazing Woman of Now podcast. Bye for now.